Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Very good. How many is glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Amen. Man, uh, so very good to be here, and there's nothing like being in my home church, and I love to be here. And uh, our men's ministry went on a great trip uh, this weekend, and we had a great time, and the Lord moved, and just powerful word, uh, and I was so happy to be at uh, Brother Packy's church in Homa, and it was just great, and they were so hospitable to us. But I tell you what, there's nothing like being here. And so uh, I love you all, and I miss you, and I'm glad to be here this morning. But if you've got your Bibles this morning, join me in Exodus chapter 15, verse 22. Exodus chapter 15, verse 22. The title of this morning's message, a new series we're going to start at Sanctuary today, is The Journey. The Journey. Uh, and specifically today, uh, we're going to talk about when life gets bitter. What do you do when life gets bitter? Now, let's pray this morning. Father God, man, we thank you for the sweet spirit that's been in this place. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit, uh, Father, who has is, who is just basked us in your love and, and given us a hope and a, a, just a sweet sense, Lord, of a reminder of what you've done for us. And God, I pray over these next few moments, these next several weeks, as we study your word and apply it to our lives, Lord, that uh, we would just be, in, be uplifted in our faith and our trust for you, uh, to follow you in obedience, to be led by your Holy Spirit, and God, to hide your word in our hearts, to know that you have a good plan for our life if we would just trust you, obey you, listen to you, God, that if we put our faith and our hope in you, God, you'll never fail us. You're never going to leave us. And Lord, I pray that we would be totally abandoned to you. God, to give up every plan of our life, to give up everything that we uh, put our hopes and dreams in other than you. And God, that we would just follow you all of the days of our lives and dwell in the house of the Lord. Somebody said, Amen. 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 Anybody ever experienced... uh, that first wall of, of your relationship with God. You get saved, and then all of a sudden, it just seems like you hit a brick wall. Anybody ever had that happen before? It's like, man, all right, yeah. And all of a sudden, just bam, something happens. We're kind of going to talk about that this morning. And, you know, life is a journey. And that's what we, we believe, that this road that we're on is a, a journey uh, towards heaven and towards the promised land. But, you know, sometimes the life that we're living can be like a desert. It might be a journey, but it might be a road through a, through a desert. And every day, we travel through this world's wilderness of sin. And every day, uh, we have to make a decision. Am I going to aimlessly wander through this life? Or am I going to live in the power and the purpose and the plan of God? And I think there are a lot of people in the world today, they're just trying to figure things out. They're aimlessly wandering around, uh, trying to get just to tomorrow. But there is a God in heaven, if we put our faith and trust in Him, who will lead us by His Holy Spirit from good thing to good thing, even if it is in a desert, even if it is going through trials and temptations and tribulations. He is leading you, and He will lead you, desires to lead you to His promised land of heaven. Amen? Amen. That's a good God. Somebody here this morning say amen. 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 So here's what we're going to do this series. We're going to parallel the story of Israel and their journey through the wilderness with our journey as a Christian and our story to get to the promised land of heaven. Uh, And have you ever found yourself, though, you're on this journey of life and you realize you're at a bad pit stop? You know, you're like, what in the world? What am I going through right now? Where is this at? Beth and I were coming back um, 
a while back from Missouri to visit her parents, and we stop. Uh, sometimes we go through Little Rock, that area, go up, up through Monroe and Little Rock and go up. And uh, we stopped in a little town called Pocahontas, Arkansas. And I don't know if anybody's from there, but uh, we were, there's, if you go through the town, there's one gas station at the end. We'd gone through the whole town, and it was pouring down rain, and we get to the last gas station, and so we've got to stop because there's nothing for miles uh, until we get towards Little Rock. And so we stop, and, you know, we, all of us, Ari, Beth, and I, we all have to go to the restroom. You ever been to those gas stations before where you, you know, some of the guys went this weekend, and we were talking about this in the van, but you get to those gas stations, and, and you open the door in the bathroom, and you're like, I may be murdered in this place. You know, the lights are hanging down, they're flickering, you don't know who's in what stall, and there's, like, messages from every brother or sister, somebody in, in, in the bathroom, uh, and uh, you get there, and the floor is black, and the toilet is black, and you're like, there ain't no way you could pay me money to sit down on that thing. And, uh, you know, you're flushing it. The guys, if you, you know, we flush it with our foot, you know, on the toilet. And you're like, I don't want to touch anything. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not like the worst germaphobe, but I am pretty, I like the Germex, and I like to stay clean. This place was so bad, it had no toilet paper, no tissue, paper towel paper, and the soap was dirty. Now, if the soap is dirty, you know you have a problem. And so I just walked out. I waited on Beth to get done. I said, I can't go here. So we, I said, we got to go back. And we, we turned around, went back up the road, and I went to a different bathroom because I ain't going in that. And I think sometimes life is that way. You know, you get to a point or a stop on the journey that you feel like, hey, this is where I'm at. And you're like, God, I gotta try. This is not where I want to be. This is not something I can handle right now. I'm got. I gotta go back to where we. I was. Anybody ever had that happen before? You're, wherever you are, a stop on your journey. He's like, no way, God. This is not what I want to be. This is not what I want to go through. Uh, I'm gonna go back to the last pit stop. And I think sometimes we go through these challenging seasons in our life. We think we're about to get a break, but it turns out to be a bad pit stop. How do you handle those moments? You say, Lord, I want to go back to where I was. Or maybe there's an unsatisfying situation in your life that you feel angry or hurt or resentful. Maybe uh, your, your heart's broken. Maybe you were treated unfairly. Maybe you had uh, uh, the good things that you thought were going to happen didn't turn out the way you expected. The dreams, the plans that you had, maybe they were stolen or stalled or, or maybe even just completely shattered and broken. But, you know, today, if you're facing some bitter situations, some sour circumstances, if your faith is growing faint, if you need to be refreshed in your soul, we have only to trust and obey a God who gives us the sweetness of his spirit. Amen. Amen. Let's look in Exodus chapter 15, verse 22. I'll give you some background. Moses, the prophet, you know, the story uh, of, of the Exodus story, if you're familiar with church. If not, go watch Charlton Heston's version of the Ten Commandments or something, right? Read the Bible. The first 15 chapters of Exodus, catch up with us. But the Moses is a man of God. He's been called by God. He was born a Hebrew slave, and he, uh, by the favor and divine plan of God, he was uh, raised up in Egyptian royalty. And so Moses... Uh, murders a guy and he runs out into the wilderness and God calls him through a burning bush. And he calls Moses to be a savior, Messiah figure, to go and rescue 
God's people who had been led captive and in bondage in Egypt. And so Moses, by the power of God, with much push from God, uh, and in Moses' weaknesses, goes, and through the power of God, they see ten great and mighty plagues. Never before in the history of the world had God demonstrated Himself so mighty, so personal and invested in the corporate health and well-being of His people. And through great power and signs and wonders, God delivers Israel from Egypt. And they go out and God begins to lead them by a pillar of fire by night, which is a column of fire by night, which represents His Holy Spirit. And it was a pillar of cloud by day. And that pillar came between them and the Egyptian army. And Egypt, or the, Egypt was on their tail going to kill them. And they come to the Red Sea. And Ezra begins to cry out to God. And God tells Moses to raise his staff. And all night long... By the fire-lit night of the Holy Spirit, Israel passes through this sea. All, it takes them all night long to pass through this sea on dry land. And then we know the story that God shuts back up the waters as the army comes through uh, and they're destroyed. And that's where we find ourselves right here uh, in the story of the Exodus. So uh, God is leading this almost two million people to uh, into the promised land. He's led them to safety. And they are three days in to their journey to the pre-wilderness. They're not in the main wilderness we'd think of in the 40 years that you would, uh, if you grew up in church, you'd know about. But we're in the pre-wilderness. Uh, and there were three days past the Red Sea. Okay, that's where we are. Exodus chapter 15, verse 22. If you dare say amen. Amen. All right. Then Moses led which that word there means caused Israel to journey. That's where we get our title of this series from. Moses led or caused Israel to journey um, from the Red Sea. And they went out into the wilderness of Shur. Everybody say Shur. Shur. And they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, and they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Everybody say bitter. And therefore it was named Marah, meaning bitter. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. And there he, God, made them a statute and regulation. And there he tested them. And he said, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in His sight, and give ear to His commandments, and keep all of His statutes... I will put none of the diseases on you that were uh, which I had put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. And they came to Elim, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy date palms, and they camped there beside the waters. Okay, just like Israel, every believer has seen God as both mighty warrior and the Lord our healer. We have been saved out of the bondage of slavery just like they were in the bondage of slavery in Egypt. You and I have been slaved out of the bondage of slavery of sin. We have been delivered by the mighty hand of the Savior, the Messiah, who has led us out by the power of God. We, are being, uh, we have been baptized into the water, just like they were baptized into the Red Sea. Uh, and we've been covered into the water of repentance of our sin, the washing and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. And every day... The presence and the Spirit of God is trying to lead you to the promised land. 
That's what you and I have in common here. This is the salvation story. Israel has just been saved, baptized, and are being led by the Spirit of God. Because the, and their Messiah, the Moses, is leading them. And so we all understand this. We've all been, uh, if you're here today and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, He's become your mighty warrior. He's become your great physician. But as we go through this world, on the way to the promised land, you and I are going to be tested. We're going to be tried along the way. And how, do we, how we trust and obey God and how we handle these trials and tests determine if our hearts are wholly His. And we're going to talk this morning about life's Mara or Mara. Life's Mara. Uh, you know, there's a modern proverb uh, that says, when life gives you lemons, what? Make lemonade. You ever been in a very sour, lemony situation and someone just, you know, you know, brother, sister, when life gives you lemons, just make lemonade. And you just want to throw the lemon at them. You know, it's just like what happens when you get to these places and there's no sugar? And, you know, it takes lemon plus water plus sugar to make lemonade. Right. But you sometimes you go through situations and you can't find any sugar in the kitchen. There's like there's nothing good about what I'm going through right now. There's nothing sweet about it. There's nothing I can see positive in the situation. And, and, and so what do you do? What happens when you can't find anything sweet? Mara, the word means bitterness in Hebrew. And this was their first stop on the journey uh, into the promised land after deliverance. But, you know, it was their second time to grumble against the Lord. Uh, when they got to the Red Sea, uh, they told Moses, they're like, why have you brought us here? Have you brought us here to die? And the Lord tells Moses, if you'll be silent, if they'll be silent, I'll deliver them. If you'll be silent, I'll be the one who fights for you. Uh, I'll be the one who delivers you. And so three days into the wilderness, they've already grumbled once. They get out. They see God's mighty hand. They're three days in. And you know, three days in the desert, probably on, on, on foot, almost 2 million people, 1.52 million people walking through the desert in a big, big caravan and, and a lot of people. And it's hot, and they haven't had anything to drink. They left in a hurry in Egypt. Uh, they, they left all their belongings, their house, they, whatever they could carry on their knapsack uh, and their pack, and their, maybe they had a cart or whatever. Uh, that's all. So three days. You ever been on those journeys, maybe those vacations, or maybe you've been along a road trip? Uh, for me, uh, the times I can remember is the, uh, getting in line at Disney World or Six Flags. It's been a long, hot day. Everybody's whiny. And it's, you're tired, you're thirsty, you know, and it's hot, you're sticky, uh, there's sand in your shoes, you're sunburned on your head, and everybody is just like this on top of you. And I'm a kind of a claustrophobic person in crowds, and sometimes you just want to just run out and scream and just say, everybody get away from me because everybody's touching me. Anybody ever been like that before? You're just hot, you're, it's irritable. And I can just picture them being like that, it's like... Ah, why? I can't take it in. Even though I know I'm going to something good, even though I'm on this uh, waiting in line for three hours to ride this 60-second roller coaster, which better be worth it, by the way, Beth. Uh, you know, because that's... She loves roller coasters. And, and I'm waiting three hours for a 30-second ride. This better be worth it. And uh, you get to life that way. Things you go through, you're like, God, this better be worth it. And everything is irritable. And you become that, that irritation... And sometimes when we go through the Christian life, it's the same way. You just 
you get saved, you get delivered of sin, you get baptized in water, but quickly you find yourself in a dry and weary place with no refreshment. You expected God to quench your thirst. You expected God to make it easier than this. And this, for them, this was their first moment of difficulty, and they found no relief. And, and we can think the same way and think things like, God, I expect this to be easier. Or, God, why is this happening to me? God, why did you do this? Why did you allow this to happen? If you let that thought process continue to go, you begin to turn your back on even your church. You think, nobody's helping me. Nobody really cares. Nobody knows what I'm going through. No one's called me. No one's texted me. No one thinks about me. And then we go from that and we get mad at the whole world. We put a chip on our shoulder. We become resentful. We become angry about what could have been, what should have been, what ought to have been. And literally, our whole attitude becomes sour. And God was trying to teach them that He, though, is the living well. He is their source and their supply. He's all that they need. Now, what I like about the, what's interesting about this story is that Israel never drank, really. They tested it, but they did not just consume. They got to this bitter place, this bitter water. But they refused to drink the water. I've read research that said even camels wouldn't drink this water. And so they didn't even drink the bitter water, but yet they themselves became bitter, right? And does that not sound like something? We get uh, a mad person offends us. Then what happens? We get mad. We weren't the mad person, and the situation wasn't ours to begin with. We didn't even cause the problem, but what happens? Their madness runs on top of us, and we become mad now. Or there's a person who's been untrustworthy to you. Then what happens to you? You stop trusting people, right? You don't drink the bitter water. You weren't the bitter water, but you then in turn become something that you hated to begin with. Uh, you, be, uh, let's, you, you get to those places where uh, people who've broken your heart, who've hurt you, then you become broken. Better situations come in your life and they can make you bitter. But how do you live as a Christian? And you go through your times of mar in your life. You say, you come to challenge, uh, situations that challenge your faith. How do you stay faithful, not faithless? You come through heartache and trouble in time. And how do you go through those situations without being a broken person? How do you go through situations where people make you mad but not in turn become angry at the world or angry at other people or untrustworthy uh, or resentful? How do you live without other people affecting you or situations controlling you? The, uh, the Galatians uh, kind of had a situation like this. The Apostle Paul, uh, he plants his church in Galatia. Uh, and these religious people come in behind him and they begin to tell these people that you've got to go through all these religious works uh, to get to Jesus. And they begin to undo everything Paul had taught them about the liberty and the refreshing times of the Holy Spirit and the power of the gospel and the power of the cross. And he tells them this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. He says, because they let these religious Jews affect them. He says, you are running well. Who hindered you? Don't you know a little leaven, little sin, leavens the whole lump? And be careful if you bite and devour one another, that you might be consumed by one another. In a sense, he's saying, what's going on here? 
I thought we were on the journey to the promised land. I thought God just delivered us, saved our soul from the pit of hell. I thought you were just baptized and filled the Holy Spirit. I thought you figured out who Jesus was and what He could do for your life. I thought you had heaven on your mind and know and trust God that He is going to let you make it. That God's got a good plan for your life. Haven't you seen God do things before? Haven't you seen God heal you before, provide financially before? Haven't you seen God restore your soul, give you peace, uh, overwhelming joy before? And then Mara comes into your life and you begin to let your life become Mara. Bitterness comes into your life and then you let your life become bitterness. And you're not like, I'm not even drinking this. I don't want anything to do with this, God. But yet, even if you didn't drink it, you've already become it. What's going on here? I think sometimes it's like this. God leads you into this wilderness of sure. And here's what we say. We say, sure, God, I'll follow you wherever you want to go. Sure, God, I trust you. Sure, God, I know who you are. But then bitterness, Mara, comes into your life and you say, God, I can't make it till tomorrow. Right? I can't make it until the next day. God, I, I, I cannot stay here. God, why am I here in this circumstance? Why is this going on in my life? Mark Batterson wrote, he said this, What if the circumstances that you're asking God to change are the very circumstances God is using to change you? What if the circumstances you've been asking God to change are the very circumstances God is trying to use to change you? You know, some disappointments in life Some things we go through in life are actually given by God to make us drive ourselves, drive us closer to Him. Maybe you're in life's Mara today. How's it affecting your faith? What's hindering you on your journey? And I want to remind you today to ask yourself, where am I going spiritually? And do I trust in a God who is good, who's delivered me, time and time again out of everything and who's already finished it all in Jesus Christ. It's done, church. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you're feeling in your physical body or maybe you're going through an emotional time or or a situation. Maybe we know many people in our community have lost their jobs. We know there's difficult seasons. There are many people in our community that are sick. But sometimes these situations, God actually led Israel to Mara. Think about it. God led them there. It wasn't on accident. They followed that pillar of cloud and He took them right to Mara. This was a test. Look down with me in verse 25. God's test. You know, Psalm 66 verse 10 says, For you have tried us, O God, you've refined us as silver is refined. You know the word test in this verse? Test nasa. Uh, is a Hebrew word. The word test is nasa, and it has the same root word as masa or mara. That test kind of has the same root word as bitterness. How many know going through a test in school, you didn't like it? It was not a good thing, right? I don't know if you're one of the weird people who enjoyed taking tests. I was not. I, w- I had to take the Pepto-Bismol before I took a test, you know? Just this is, I didn't want to do this. But it says God was testing him in their hearts. And he was saying this, if you'll listen to my voice 
And if you'll do what I say is right, I'll not put anything of Egypt on you. For remember, I am the Lord your healer. Why did God say, they come to this spring of water, they can't drink it, He's just delivered them, and He says, I want you to know something. We are just getting into this journey. We haven't really, we're three days in on the first pit stop here. And yeah, it's not the best pit stop. I'm sorry, but this is the pit stop I've chosen to take us to. Dad, you're driving in the car. People want to pull over. And they, you just say, this is where we're stopping. I don't care if you don't like it or not. This is it. Dads, amen, right? This is what we're, you, you're driving, right? And so this is where we're stopping. And God says, this is where I've chosen to stop, kids. And then they begin to complain. You know, this is a test. And he says, but remember, I'm the Lord, your healer. Why did he say that? There are two things he wanted them to take. He was testing them on. Number one, he was testing them on do you trust in who I am? Church, do you trust in who he is? To Israel, he became the Lord, our warrior. Man, he, he, they'd seen God as the one who fought for them. He delivered them from their bondage. He blocked the way of the enemy. He parted the waters ahead of them. And on their way, they crossed dry ground all night long. How many people in this room today are excited and happy that God delivered them of sin? Who saved them? Man, He's become the Lord, your warrior. It says in Colossians chapter 1 that He nailed all the accusations and the things the enemy and the law had against you. That He nailed it to the cross and He disarmed it and He made a spectacle of the devil. He totally won for you. And so you and I know today the Lord, our warrior, he is a mighty God. And so Israel knew him as the Lord, the warrior. And he says, but I'm also the Lord, your healer. God was revealing himself as a healer. You know, Egypt was this great nation. And it was one of the greatest nations in the world at the time. But at the same time, when you get a lot of people like that with no health care, no vaccinations and all this stuff, uh, no medicine, no real good hygiene, there was a great place of disease and plague. Egypt was known, it was a, a legendary plagues and diseases in Egypt. Uh, there was infectious diseases like plague and polio and influenza, which we know today, smallpox, tuberculosis, uh, tuberculosis, malaria, and even more. They had snakes and scorpions and all kinds of things that would be in Egypt. And the average life expectancy for a slave, which Israel was, was less than 30 years. How many know life's not so bad right now, right? I, I'm 31. I made it, right? You know, I would have maybe died. I would have been an old man as slave in Egypt. Not to mention the making the temples and the pyramids and all these types of things they were forced to do. And so God says, I am the Lord, your healer, because I am delivering you out of Egypt. And how many know that God healed you out of deliverance? He was healing them from, if He would have left them there, they would have surely died and perished at a young age. They would not live in victory and health. And how many know, you can say, hey, I am so very thankful that I can say God healed me when He delivered me of all my sins. He saved me because I don't know what would have been. If I would have stayed on the track that I was on, if I would have stayed in the sin and the, the stuff that I was doing before and the mindset I had before, and no telling what would have come upon me in my life. God healed you when He delivered you. God healed you when He delivered you. And He was saving them from possible future sickness. And He says, when you go through this wilderness, I will be with you. I'll continue to show myself as Lord, your healer. You think about what Jesus says 
Uh, the Bible says about Jesus in Psalms 103 that God is a God through Christ who pardoned all our iniquities. He healed all our diseases. He redeemed our life from the pit. He crowned us with loving kindness and compassion. And then Jesus comes on the scene in the New Testament times and tells his believers, he says, I'm going to fulfill all this stuff you saw in Israel. I'm going to show you that just like you were on a, Israel was on a journey, you're on a journey too. And just like God was mighty warrior to them and the Lord their healer, I, Jesus Christ, am also God, mighty warrior, and the Lord, your healer. Because he says, you're going to take up deadly serpents. You can drink anything deadly. It will by no means hurt you. And you will even lay your hands on the sick and they'll recover. Is that not the same thing? You're going to go through this life and Jesus Christ is promised by the power of his cross. I've got your sickness. I'm going to promise you that I'm going to handle every uh, enemy attack. I'm going to give you power over all things of the enemy. And even my church is going to be knowing me as a Lord who is a mighty God and a Lord who is a great physician. Somebody say amen. Amen. He's a mighty God. Do you trust in who He is? You've got to get to that point, church. We lose, go through these world and trials and we begin to focus on the mar, the bitter water. We focus on the three-day journey we've had over this last several years or weeks or months. And we begin to forget who is the one who led us here to begin with. Who is the one that saved our souls? Who is the one that filled us with the Holy Spirit? Who is the one that is going to promise land ahead of us? I don't care if you've lost your job. I don't care if you've got sickness in your body. I don't care if you're going through a, a horrible time. God has shown you He's a good God. He's a good God. He's better than that situation you're going through. He's sweeter than that situation you're going through. And so, number one, do you trust in who He is? And number two, do you trust in His plan? He's a good God with a good plan. He purposely led these people to Mara. Why? The answer is in Exodus chapter 13, verse 1. You can flip back over a chapter or two chapters. Exodus chapter 13, verse 1. I'm just going to paraphrase. Why did God take them to Mara? You ask yourself, God, why did you lead me here? And that's, this, that's the million-dollar question today for those of you who are going through horrible situations. Financial, emotional, relational. Why did God... And if you believe that you're on track with God, you say, God, I, I did everything I was supposed to do. Now, sometimes we lead ourselves to bad situations. I'm not talking about that this morning. Some of us are... Uh, we've done things in sin. We've disobeyed God's voice. Yeah, you're going to find yourself outside of His will and in the company of the enemy. But if you say, God, I have loved you... I followed you. God, I'm listening to you. But yet, God, still this bad stuff keeps happening. Why are you leading me here? Exodus chapter 13, verse 1 says that God decided to take them on a slightly longer journey. He wanted to go through the wilderness of Shur to avoid Philistine territory. Because if He had taken them the short route straight from Egypt, straight into Philistine... Uh, they would have met war immediately. And it says that they surely would have changed their minds about following God. You are going through things in your life right now, and you may think this is the worst test, the worst trial, the worst circumstance I've ever been to. And that's what they thought. But God in His greater good plan said, if I take them straight head on with the enemy, they'll surely grow weak in faith and turn back. God knows what you can handle when you can handle it. 
God knows what you can handle and when you can handle it. And you say, God, you're taking the long route to my dreams, my plans, my ambitions. God, the promises you said you'd save my family. God, you said you'd lead me to that good place. God, you said you'd provide. God, you said, you, Lord, you were my healer. But he's saying, I know the path that's best for you. I've got the Google Earth map. I've got the bigger picture. And I know that if I had sent you on this path straight into the promised land, you weren't going to make it. You would have come head first against the enemy and you would have surely lost your faith and turned back. And so I decided in my omnipotence, in my sovereignty, in my all-knowing plan perfect for you, I decided to take you through the wilderness of sure. And you said, sure, God, I'll go. But he led you tomorrow. Oswald Chambers wrote, Faith never knows where it's being led, but it loves and knows the one who leads it. Faith never knows where it's being led, but it always loves and knows the one who leads it. Do you know and love God? You may not know where you're going today or why you're there, but do you know the one who led you there? God knows what you can handle and when you can handle it. Don't doubt the test He's given you. He might just be preventing you from a much harder test you weren't ready for. Something you would have surely failed and fallen away from God. Jesus said He went to prepare a place for us and He's coming back to receive us. You know what that means? He wants you to make it. The journey He puts you on is a journey where He knew you could make it. The things He had in store for you, He knew were going to come. He wants you to make it. And Romans 12, 2 tells us and reminds us that we are to continually be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we'll prove, so that we'll know what God's will is. We'll, we'll prove and know what God's plan is for our life. That's which is a good plan. It's an acceptable plan. And it's a perfect plan. Do you know who God is and do you trust in His plan for your life? Are you walking by faith or walking by sight? Because it's a weak faith that only depends on the circumstances. We don't get to live by our own rules anymore. Israel might have thought that, hey, they got out of the slavery of sin and now they can, hey, we got this, we're leaving this life. But you know what? We traded our slavery for the master of the devil to a slavery of righteousness as a child of God. We still have a master. We still have a person who leads our steps and guides us and who we submit our lives to. And God was commanding them at Mar. He says, are you going to trust me? And are you going to obey me? Are you going to trust me? And are you going to obey me? Are you living life by your own rules? Because God was telling them, Israel, I expect some obedience from you. I want you to trust me. How's your faith in me? Even Jesus says, in John chapter 8, verse 51, if you obey my teaching, you'll never die. Trust Him. Man, He's good. Man, He's an awesome God. You may not get it. You may not see it. You may not understand it. But I just I don't have to understand it. I don't have to get it. I don't have to think it's good. And you know what? It is bitter. It was bitter. It wasn't good. It wasn't a good place to be. They were hot. He's not asking you to deny that it's not a good place uh, or that it's a bad place. He's just saying, just trust me. I've got your job. 
Just trust me, I've got your healing. Just trust me, I've got tomorrow in store for you. I'm leading you to the promised land. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Do you trust Him? Will you obey Him? Will you live by the Holy Spirit? Follow that pillar of cloud by day, that pillar of fire by night. Follow the presence of God who's leading you in your life. Because 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 says this, and this is a promise for you to hold on to today. Paul tells Timothy, It's a trustworthy statement. For if you died with Him, we will also live with Him. If you endure, you will reign with Him. But if you deny Him, He will deny you. But if you're faithless, oh man, He remains faithful. Man, man, if you died and you went through that baptism waters and if you come out of slavery by the power of God and you saw Jesus Christ be your slavery, uh, your Savior, you will live with Him. And if you endure through this promised land, this wilderness of sure, this wilderness of sin, you will reign with Him. But beware if you deny Him. If you fall away, if you don't trust and obey God, He'll deny you. But if you come to a place like Mara and you begin to lose your faith, God's still faithful. Here's what it's God is so good. God takes them to that place, and God and even His love and His grace, they begin to complain. And what does God do? Tells Moses, Moses, I'm faithful to my promise. See that tree over there? Throw it in that water. What happened? Man, it becomes sweet. That water became sweet because God is faithful to His promise. Faithful to His promise. And here's a quote for you today. If you faithfully follow God, He will powerfully provide His promise. Trust and obey. If you faithfully follow God, He will powerfully provide His promise. God promised to lead them to the promised land. He said, even in dry and bitter places along the way, if you'll just trust Me, if you'll just obey Me, I'm going to make your waters sweet. If you'll just trust me and obey me, I'm going to lead you to times of refreshing. If you just trust me and obey me. What happened? He leads them. Not only does he sweeten the waters, but after tomorrow, the next day, he leads them to a place called Elim, meaning trees. And there each tribe, each tribe had its own well. Twelve tribes received twelve springs of water. And they had seventy date trees, palm trees for shade, and dates for the feeding of their stomachs uh, in a dry and barren land. And that tells me today that God is a such a good God that when you go through times of testing, He's going to lead you to times of refreshing. When you have bitter season in your life, that bitter thing, He now turns it to sweetness. And He proves He's a God who still leads you beside the still waters. He's a God who can restore your soul. And He's a God that desires that you will dwell in His house forever. You need things to go from bitter to sweet today. When life gets bitter, Jesus Christ can make it sweet. Jesus Christ can make it sweet. It's still Mara. It's still the situation. But man, what you begin to complain about that bitterness, God in His grace begins to pour out His sweetness. what What does that mean? In Mara, He took the tree and He poured it into the water. He put it into the water. We don't know what kind of tree it was. It doesn't really matter. But we know that Moses took this wood, this cross, or this this tree, and begins to throw it into the water. And Jesus Christ, the Word of God, comes to earth and He puts Himself on a tree. 
and His life becomes bitter for us. And because of His bitter life and His bitter death, our life is sweet. And just like they received that tree, you and I stand before a tree today and we say, God, I receive what You've done for me and Your Son and His cross. I know, God, that You bore sin in Your body. I know, God, that You did it so I might die to sin and live to righteousness, First Peter 2 says, and that by Your wounds, God, I'm healed because of Your Word. So the first thing in your life we need today, if you're going to go from bitter to sweet in your Mara today, is the Word of God, Jesus Christ, whose bitter cross makes your life so much sweeter. And then you go to the next time, and it's testing to refreshing. Maybe you're going through a time of testing to refreshing. Psalms 34, verse 8, we read it this morning, says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. His word is sweeter than honey. Man, taste and see. How many know, I've exper- how many can say, I've experienced the presence of God and it's good? A show of hands. Amen. I've experienced the presence of God, it's good. And God, in a season of testing, will lead you to a season of refreshing. God provides season of refreshing after seasons of testing if you trust and obey His goodness and His good plan. And if you're in that place, here's what I want you to remember. It's only a pit stop. Mara was only a pit stop. God, I'm going through this season in my finances. God, I'm going through this season in my health. God, I'm going through this season in my relationship. Guys, it's only a pit stop to the promised land. Amen? Somebody say amen today. It's only a pit stop. This is just one stop. 2016 is just one stop to heaven. It's just one stop. And maybe you had a bad year. Maybe next year will be your bad year. I don't know. God is leading each one of you. But it's a good plan. And He says, if you're going through a season of testing today, I'm going to lead you through a season of refreshing tomorrow by My Spirit. He promises when you repent, you trust in Jesus. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. That seasons of refreshing would come in His presence. What did Jesus say in John chapter 7? If anybody's thirsty, let him come. If anybody's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, trusts in me, has faith in me, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. It's only a pit stop, church. Your Mara is only a pit stop. Will you trust him? that He is a good God and who He says He is, that He is mighty warrior, that He is healer. Will you trust that His plan is good, pleasing, acceptable, perfect for your life, and that it's only a pit stop to the promised land? Somebody say amen. Amen. Worship team, would you come? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to have a time of prayer this morning.